welcome to those online and welcome to the beginning of a new series called The Psalms. During the week, the staff had two days together of prayer, praise, fun, fellowship, food, brainstorming, training, the whole lot. But we were in a place high up in West Launceston and as we went out onto the deck, we looked down and for some time there was a sense of disorientation, trying to find places to orient what we knew where we were. And so some saw this, some saw that. I saw St Andrew's Church steeple and there was other bits and pieces. But as soon as we found something to orient what we knew with where we were, we could then name some of the other places to the minutest detail. We did discover what that car park was, and we did see cars moving along. The Psalms are an orientation for life. They're for us to give guidance, for when we don't know where we are, but we know what we know, and we feel a little lost. They are also a most important part of Hebrew worship. And throughout 3,000 years, they've been part of the worship series of God's people. Most of them were sung. And the one we're going to do today was sung. And during this series, you're going to be introduced to some of the Hebrew words for praise. Can you remember what the one was today? Very good, Wayne. You can move to the top of the class. Don't worry, you may not be there long. <laughs> there might be some others. Can you remember what it meant? To pluck with a stringed instrument with? Joyfully. Now, some of what we're going to share today may not sound very joyful. Do you remember last time I spoke, I had a hoop? Well, today I'm going to go backwards and forwards, but the hoop said, I stood in the hoop and I said, we're 100% God's, 100% of his because he's father by creation, father by redemption, remember that? And declared 100% righteous. So remember that as we look at two realities that the psalm tries to bring together as we get this orientation. First of all, the psalms are poetry. Not like we write poetry. For instance, isn't it odd that God should choose the Jews? That's all, you know, words match and all this. We lose a lot in the Hebrew translation of the poetry, but it does have a sense of rhythm, but not rhyming. It's what we call parallelism. That's easy to remember. You've got parallel lines. So it's exactly what it means. The first line you read says this something, and the next line says it in a different way, either in a positive way to reinforce it or in a negative way. And sometimes they add a third line just to confuse you to build up the parallelism. So we won't be studying every word because sometimes it does it for us when it says, bless the Lord, O my soul. You know that Psalm 103? All that is within me, 
bless the Lord. So we've got, oh my soul, all that is in me, within me. And so it gives us some idea. Now the other thing is, because it's poetry, it's picture language. And sometimes it can be awfully exaggerating. And sometimes you've got to get the picture. So it uses metaphor. You know what that is? It says things that um, I am a wolf, for instance, but I'm not really. I am a lion. Or it's used simile, I am like, as the deer pants after the water, so my heart pants after the Lord. That's a simile. It's like that. Just like a deer is rushing for water, so I'm longing for water. Well, today I'm going to introduce you to a different kind of psalm. You've read them and wondered why on earth they're in the book, the holy book, the scriptures. I'm pretty sure you've wondered why they're there. Because they're called laments or complaints. Now, if you've got a complaint today, you take it to God. That's what you're going to hear, not to me. <laughs> okay, a lament. Now, here's the staggering reality. Over a third of the psalms are what we call complaint psalms or lament psalms. And most of them were sung in the community. So you can you imagine singing that kind of stuff? Oh, I feel miserable today. And they're all also all about emotions. Sorry, men, they are about emotions, and most of the psalms were written by men, so get over it. Okay, they're emotional. And sometimes they're way down here, deep and sad and grieving loss, and sometimes they're just up here, high, exalted, plucking on the string with joyful acclamation. So you got the idea? But there's another thing going on. There's this thing that's called the reality of what I know about God. God is, you can feel that, finish that sentence. What do you know about God? God is love, that's the usual one. God is? You say it, good, father, kind, everything, faithful. He's the shelter, he's the rock, he's everything. God is everything I need, he's sufficient. You know, everything you've ever known and what you don't know about God. This is God's reality, kindness gentleness, perseverance, patience, beauty, holiness, the reality of God. This is who he is. You got that? But over here, I've got this is who I am. Okay? I'm emotional. Sometimes I'm down and sometimes I'm up. Sometimes I feel like my body is going to crack up because I've been so sad for so long. There's loss. There's everything else. I don't need the overhead just yet. There's all of this terrible feeling of what I am in the midst of my anxieties, my fears, my embarrassments, my failures, and sometimes it feels as though my body is wasting away and my reality is in this world's reality. War. We just heard about Southern Sudan. Tension, fighting, horror. There's just so much of it going on, even in our own little political world, the terrible corruption and ugliness amongst our leaders. We're supposed to be for the people, but they've got such big egos. 
And so we live in this world. And behind this world, the reality of this world over here is one that we call the enemy. And what's he out to do? Destroy? Kill? Corrupt? So when the Psalms talk about hatred, you may seem as though they're talking about hating the Philistines or hating the enemy or hating the neighbour. But the hatred is targeted at the one enemy who's behind all that. But sometimes we can't see that. So in this psalm, for instance, it says, I hate those who worship worthless idols. But behind that is the idea of hatred of the one who's caused that. You've got that? So I've got my reality here. This is who I am, where I am. This is what I know about God. Now, what's the bridge? What is the bridge? It's called faith. It's called trust. So that I am called continually from my reality to keep trusting in this God who has made a covenant relationship with me. He has said, Sandy, you're 100% mine. You're 100% mine because you know your true father. And I have declared you righteous. You have given your life to me and you have been made right by faith. Therefore, you have peace with God and you have access into the heavenly place and you stand in a position of grace. This too is my reality, right? But often, I'm over here. And I have to believe and trust and keep walking this bridge. Now, the psalm also says, the psalms also say that that trust can be just the smallest amount of trust. In fact, Jesus said it too, didn't he? He said, the faith, the grain of a mustard seed is sufficient. So I walk the journey from my reality so that they come. Sometimes there is a thing called waiting, waiting. And many of the Psalms just finish, I'll wait for you, God, because I believe that you are who you say you are despite what's happening here. So that's all I want to say at this stage about the background of this introduction to the Psalms. You got it? There's tension between my story and God's story, and my story in God's story. There's the continued call to trust, and it's the pull of God into his goodness and beauty. And so I'm going to actually just read through the psalm as a prayer, and because it's worship and music, I've actually invited Ben up here to pluck some strings now and then to try and get some of the mood that is in this psalm. So I hope you've been reading it. Who read it every day this week? That was on the bookmark every day this week. So all right, this morning I got up to read it and I thought, I can't read this psalm anymore. <laughs> I think I've been reading it for five or six weeks. <laughs> Never mind, here we go. Uh, this is a lament. It's a psalm of complaint, 
And so I'm going to go through it and show you the features or the stages in this psalm. We're going to have different movements. We're going to have a, a movement towards God emotionally. We're going to have a movement towards God in a way of worship. And we're going to have a movement of God towards us and us meeting together. The movement of the Spirit. So that which is within can bless the Lord. So here we are. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. This is called the address. And the address is just a simple word, Lord. But that word, Lord, is important in the worship of Israel. It's not just God. Anyone can talk to gods and God. This is the word Yahweh. This is the word I am. This is the personal covenant name of our God. And my address is to this God, the one with whom I have relationship. Oh God, I have taken refuge. I'm here. I've taken refuge. And this is my plea. And this is my petition. Deliver me in your righteousness. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. This is what I know about you, Lord. You are a refuge. You are a fortress. You are a rock. You are the one in whom I want to stand on and be firm and know that there's a solidness and security in my life. I know this. I declare it. I don't feel it. I declare it. And so we call this declarative praise, where we declare what we know about God, even though we don't feel it. And sometimes you come in here on a Sunday, and they're all singing these songs. And you want to sit there, and there's misery up to your neck. How can you sing these songs? This is by faith. Because of what we know about God and have learned about God, we can declare, you are love, you are goodness, you are righteous, you are my rock, you are that which is steadfast. Do you get that? It's just declaring what we know up here, even though we don't feel it down here. And sometimes it's really, really, really important to do that because the hope is that that which is in the head, that which is in the past, becomes that which is in the heart and that which is present. And so he says, you are my rock, you are my fortress. In the past, this has been true. Now listen to this bit. For the sake of your name, Lead on God. This is not blackmail. This is appealing 
to the covenant relationship. You have made me yours. And because I'm yours, 100% yours, 100% righteous, because I'm yours, your name is at stake. How about that? That's appealing to the covenant. Here's a bit of my prayer. Keep me from the trap that's set before me. You're my refuge. And then this sense of surrender into your hands, I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. There's my declaration. There's my prayer. There's my plea. I surrender. My reality is still the same. Then the psalmist is going to make a vow. And I want you to listen to this vow because there's some funny, hard vows being made in the Old Testament and we make some weird and dear, weird ones as well. We don't have to blackmail God. If you do this, then I'll do that. The reason I can appeal to the name of God to answer my prayer is because I'm his child. Covenant relationship. And so he makes a... A, a vow. He says, I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I've explained that one. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to stand my ground and I'm going to trust. I will be glad and I will rejoice in your love. For you saw my affliction. You knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Faith is this gesture of entrusting ourselves to God. What God has promised, who God is, and in a way, it's just saying, God, there's going to come a day when I know you're going to deliver me. And on that day, this is what I'm vowing to do. I'm going to go to the community, to the congregation, and I'm going to join there. And it's just not going to be declarative praise. It's going to be praise from my heart. It's going, I'm going to stand there and I'm going to praise you. That's the vow I'm making. That's a commitment of trust. That's a faith promise. When you have delivered me, then I will be able to stand and sing. One of the beauties of coming together on a Sunday morning is that we can do that. Not just declare what we know, but we can declare because during our times of strife and anguish, of pain, we are waiting for God and we're going to give witness among the community. Isn't that wonderful? The Psalms are all about community. It's not about me sitting in my little chair and 20 minutes in a chair at home and saying, well, God, you're great. I am delivered. The world needs to know it. The person next to you needs to know it. We need to know it. These are called hope stories when we know that our God has been faithful. Then we go back to a plea. Just a little plea. Be merciful to me, Lord. 
One of the things I know about you, God, is that you are merciful. You act in mercy. God always is merciful. He cannot not be merciful. It's the only way he relates to us in this world. It's mercy, mercy, mercy. And if you've got an imagination, mercy's just floating around everywhere here waiting for you to open up and to receive that mercy. Have mercy on me, Lord. Wonderful prayer. Wonderful prayer to pray for others. Now we're coming to the lament, to the distress, to exactly how he's feeling. This is the emotional part. Can we have emotional music? Really emotional music. Is that sad enough? Sad emotions. need the string here. I want you to know that this too is worship because we're coming before God. Listen to what he says. I'm in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. My soul and body with grief. My life is consumed with anguish. My years with groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction. My bones grow weak because of all my enemies. I am in utter contempt of all my neighbours. An object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I'm forgotten as if I was dead. I have become like broken pottery. I hear many whisperings. Terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. You do have permission to struggle in the midst of hardship. Did you hear that? You do have permission to struggle in the midst of hardship. This is pretty deep, isn't it? He's feeling as if he can't stand up anymore. His body is wasting away. You see the poetry, you see how he's using language to say, I'm really out of it. I feel so miserable. My body is just oozing away. Listen to whom he's complaining. Who is it? It's God. But who else? This is public. It's in the community. This is actually sung. Someone likes to put this to music? We could sing it next week. This is actually sung in the community as an offering, as a prayer, as a statement of, here I am. There you are. I need orientation in my life. I need reorienting back to you. The tension here between my emotions and what I know about my God. Can you feel the tension? But listen now. Listen 
as the music turns to trust. Take time to feel your complaint and let's turn to trust. Going on this bridge, I trust you, Lord. I say you are my God. What does he say? You are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemy, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. I trust you, Lord. I'm over here. I'm trusting you. You're my God. The events of my life are in your hands. That's what that phrase means. Hebrew is very concrete. So it's not minutes in my hand. The events of my life are in the hands of God. Deliver me from my enemies and let your face smile. May I see the smile of God on my life. May I see your favor. May I see your joy, your acceptance. So as I look here from where I am, may I see who you are. You are my God. What a beautiful prayer. May the face of our God shine on each of you today. Now he's actually going to declare what the problem really is. We've got his emotions, we've got what he believes about God, we've got statements of prayer, we've got of trust, we've got a plea. But what's his problem? There's a little bit in how he feels, but our feelings are usually a little bit divorced from the real problem. So he's asking that he will not be put to shame. He's cried out. Now, this is what we don't know. We do not know how long he's been crying out to the Lord. And he asks that the wicked be put to shame, the enemy, and be silent in the realm of death. That's a phrase that's used there. And again, it's back to this idea of, if I'm dead, how can I worship you? <laughs> They don't have the knowledge that we have of revelation and resurrection. We know that we will worship God eternally. But what he's saying now, if I'm lost, how can I come, each, come to the community and worship you? How can I exhort you? So Lord, at this moment, I don't really want to lose my life. Here's his problems, lying lips. Let their lying lips be silenced. For with pride and contempt, they speak arrogantly against the righteous. Slander, gossip, bully, contemptuous behavior. Lies from those who are not with him. Lies from those who are not for him. And the righteous. This is the focus of his problem. This is a psalm of David. One of the things about the psalms, we never really know the location of where they happened, of where it was. 
And that's good because it's universal. It's for all of us to go there. And so he prays that. And then comes his next verses. Listen to them. His statement of experience and belief. Something is happening in the movement within. Something is happening gently, slowly. And he says, how abundant are the good things that you stored up for those who feed you. The idea is there's this treasure chest in heaven and it's there for us to plunder and take. You store up this, you bestow it in the sight of all, on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. So he's moving now to experience the God that he knows, the God that he's declared all these things about. He is knowing that this is his God and he is orienting his life again around this God who's for him, the God who will lead, the God who will give direction. And so now we have the wow factor. is when there is that exaltation and great abundance of, you are my God. I know it from the inside. I know it. I experience you are my God. Regardless of how I feel, where I am, you are for me. You are my God. Listen to what he says. Praise. Read it with me. Praise be to the Lord. For he has shown me the wonders of his love. When I was in a city under siege, in my alarm I said this, I am cut off from your sight, yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Praise to the Lord. He's shown the wonders of his love. Wow, this is the song that I can live by. This is the song for my life. Singing the praise, the worship, the honour, the reality that my God is wonderful. My God has shown me the wonder of his love. So in conclusion, we come to this. He stands up, and this is what the Psalms are about. He says, love the Lord, love the Lord. All you faithful people, love the Lord. All you faithful people, he will show you the wonders of his love. The Lord does preserve the lives of those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong, take heart, all who hope in him. This is the community gathering together. Love the Lord, love the Lord. So what we've done is work through a lament. We've had the address, the plea, the journey of faith, the declarations of praise, the sorrows of the heart, the complaints, the trust. We've had the movement of God answering. And we've had the wow factor in praise. And then we've had the call to the community 
to love the Lord. May God help you do that well. In Jesus' name, amen.